Hi, my name is Bill Bolding, Dean of Duke's Fuqua School of Business, and when I'm not promoting business as a force for good, I'm listening to the Business School Question. Hello listeners, welcome to the Business School Question. I'm your host, Marco Dinovelis, and on this episode we speak to Fahad Ahmed, a former EMBA student from Columbia Business School and host of his podcast, Columbia BizCast, on how to successfully apply to MBA programs at Columbia. We had a great chat with Farhad at the Business Because offices in central London. We asked him about studying the GMAT, Columbia's essay questions, his view on calculating return on investments and general life as an EMBA student. And here is what he said. So, Fahad, thank you for being here with us. Why don't we start right from the beginning, back in 2015 when you were considering business schools. Why did you do an MBA and why did you choose Columbia Business School? Yeah, well, first of all, Marco, thank you and thank uh, thank Business Because for, for having me. It's really such a treat to be here with you all. When... I decided to go for an MBA, it was really around the 2014 time. I was working as a healthcare administrator at Yale New Haven Health System, which is a healthcare system in the state of Connecticut back in the States. And I had really reached the point in in my career where there was things that sort of plateaued. I had risen to the the highest position I was probably going to get to at that time, the next position. Uh, was my boss's position and she and I had a great relationship and she would say, you know, I'm not going anywhere, but what can I do to help you because I don't want you to get bored. And the thought was, well, let me look into getting an MBA and sort of, you know, using the opportunity to sort of broaden my skill set and sharpen my, uh, and sharpen the skills that I have already. And my first thought was, let me go ahead and go to Yale School of Management. It's affiliated with Yale New Haven Health System, and it just made sense to go to that school. Well, you know, when I first got there and I went through the application process, you know, something just never really seemed right. Uh, It didn't really fit, and sure enough, the folks at Yale School of Management felt the same way, and I didn't get accepted. And from there, was really made the decision to look into other schools. And I always knew I wanted to go to an Ivy League. And my second choice was always Columbia Business School. So when I got the denial from Yale School of Management, I immediately decided I'm going to go start exploring the schools in New York City, Columbia Business School, and NYU. The first time I went to Columbia Business School, for an info session, I just immediately knew that I wanted to be there. There is something special about when you get off of the one train at 116th and Broadway, and you walk onto that campus, and you sort of walk to Yours Hall, where our school is right now. There's a, there's a special feeling that sort of, that you get and then when I sat in that info session, and I saw the diversity of the people who are looking to go to Columbia Business School, potentially looking to go to Columbia Business School for an MBA, I just it just felt right. And I was ready to move into New York City and sort of all the things just started to come together. 
and I just made it a point that I was going to do everything I could to get into Columbia Business School, which meant taking the GMAT another three times in addition to the two that I already taken just to make sure I could get the grade that I needed. And luckily enough, the mistakes that I made in my Yale School of Management uh, interview process, I didn't make them during the Columbia Business School. So uh, admission process, it's really just everything worked out for, uh, for the right reasons. So let's talk a little bit about that application process. Um, taking the GMAT was a, was a toughie. What, what did you learn from the mistakes you made previously during the process that you did differently for Columbia uh, GMAT or interview? What, what mistakes did you learn from? Well, uh, two things. I think on the GMAT side, I am a terrible standardized test taker. I have always been a terrible standardized test taker. So I don't think that anybody should really ever listen to anything I have to say as it relates to the GMATs or any standardized test for that matter. I took it five times because there was a score that I needed to get. And it wasn't the best score. It was just a score that I knew that if I got this score, it would make me uh, competitive and you know allow my application to actually be considered. Did multiple classes, did multiple courses to study for the test, and it was just really every single day, did 20, 30, 40 minutes every single day until I could you know, get myself to that process. When it comes to the actual application uh, for business school, for Columbia Business School, the way I saw it, I'll say this, the first thing I did is that you have the general information that they want you to fill in. That's all well and good, and everybody can do that. When it came to the essays, Marco, the first three essays that I wrote, I, I finished them, I thought they were good, and I shared them with my brother. And my brother read them and he said, this is, this is just basic. This is like any other business school essay that somebody would, uh, would, would write. You need to write something that's going to stand out. So I took a step back and completely threw away the essays that I had already written and spent you know, a good 20, 25 hours on and decided I'm going to really tell my story and use every single part of the application to tell my story. So you can see where I'm from, my background, by my general information. You can see any professional accomplishments I've had uh, by my resume. You can see you know, what a goofball I was in undergraduate school by my transcripts, but the fact that I turned it around when I got my master's in healthcare administration. You can see all of that by those documents that are submitted. So my advice to anybody is that stuff is there. When it comes to the essays, use each question to round out your personal narrative so that you can allow the uh, admissions people to really get a sense of who you are beyond your resume and beyond your transcripts. Tell those personal stories in those applications that make you who you are. And that's what I did, and, and that's, coincidentally enough, what they wanted to talk about during my admissions process. 
within the interviews as well. Can you give yeah. an example of a personal story, if not too personal, that, that no, you told? No, of course, of course. So, you know, like I said, I went to uh, a state university of New York at New Paltz for my undergraduate degree, and I studied chemistry. So I have a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry. And it, I was on the six-year plan when I should have been, <laughs> it should be on a four-year plan because it was just very much sort of a, a, a goofball in that, in, in that sense. It just didn't take it seriously enough. Graduated and started to work and went to get a healthcare administration, a master's in healthcare administration degree, and really sort of turned it around at that time. And did it incredibly well, thankfully, worked really, really hard in that program. So sort of made, so there's sort of this little transition and they wanted to talk about what happened, mm. right? What happened between your undergraduate degree in chemistry and your first master's in healthcare administration? And what I said to them is that, you, you know, you just start to, I just started to realize how to work and what, and really to kind of look at problems backwards and forwards and understand how things happen and how things work so that you can answer the questions the best way possible and with the most knowledge. And what was good about that, Marco, is that, you know, shortly after I graduated from, uh, from my Master's in Healthcare Administration, that's when the financial crisis happened. Mm -hmm. And that resulted, my father has a, a plan, had an appliance sales and repair store, small business, and he had it for about 30, 35 years. And what happened was is that because of the financial crisis, you know, life became very challenging for our family. And like many other families all across the world, life became very challenging. Luckily enough, I was able to, when I turned things around, I was able to get a job and I was able to, you know, get promoted quickly and succeed and get promoted quickly enough where the salary I was making allowed me to be able to help support my family during this, this, uh, this difficult time. That was also a reason why you know you wanted I wanted to get an MBA. So I said, okay, I've gotten this far to get to that next level and to best prevent anything you know like what happened to our family uh, to ever happen again. I knew that I needed to take that next level, and that next level required another education, another degree, and it required a network, and it required new skill sets, and it required all these things. And because I was able to talk about it during my Columbia Business School admission, and I did not talk about it during Yale School of Management, I kind of stuck to that, you know, formal interview process, mm -hmm. didn't allow myself to be vulnerable, didn't allow myself to show the person behind the application. Maybe that's a reason, yeah. right? Maybe that's the difference. I don't know, maybe. But it felt more comfortable. It felt more real. It felt more human when I was having that conversation uh, with the Columbia Business School admissions people. And I left that feeling good. They, they want to see that human side. What were the three essay questions? Oh, gosh. Um, I think... The first one was, what do you plan to do? Okay. 
don't quote me, like, you know, the, I think the, the words are obviously different, but basically, what, what do you want to do with this degree? And what I had said about positioning myself to be able to best take care of my family and best prevent, you know, something like what happened with my father and his business having to close and all those things from happening, that was the reason that I wanted to do this. I wanted to go and become a healthcare administrator and you know bring health to as many communities and as many people as possible within those communities so that was the first one the second one was you know columbia business school positions themselves as uh, at the very center of business and it was that question what does that mean to you to be at the very center of business and for me it was i grew up in a small town upstate new york and i moved and i lived there for 25 years and then I moved uh, to Connecticut, uh, you know, where where I was working with Yale New Haven, and I never had the opportunity to really immerse myself into New York City. I had been there many, many times to see concerts and and sporting events and have dinner with friends, but I never really got to be, as they say, in the center of New York City, and that was an opportunity that I felt I had to really, you know take advantage of everything that that city has to offer. And then the final question was, and I think it was something like, because the, the way the program is structured is that you have, you have, you're put into a, into a cluster, right? So I did the executive MBA program from 2015 to 2017, Friday, Saturday only, and our class was comprised of 140 students. You had 70 in cluster A, and you had 70 in cluster B. And within those cluster, you were put into a learning team with five or six people. So the question was, what is something that your cluster, your, excuse me, your learning team members would be surprised to learn about you? And at that time, I don't keep up with it as much as I would like, at that time, I really got into surfing. Okay. So that was the one thing that I talked about and you know explained how surfing is very similar to how I sort of you know sort of restarted my career. It was just really that effort to you have to work really really hard to get past that break in the ocean where you can actually start to catch waves and it was a similar comparison to me as it relates to you know, really succeeding not only in school, but at the same time professionally, is that you have to work really, really hard. You have to paddle like hell so you can get past that break, because once you do, then things start to make more sense. Things start to fall into place a little bit better. Very nice. I, I can see why they like that. <laughs> and what, can I ask, what, what GMAT score did you get in the end? Yeah, it was, uh, so it was a 600. Okay. And how, how, what is a good GMAT score? Much higher than a 600. <laughs> how do you know what to go for? Well, so here's, here's, here's what happened. So again, my undergraduate score uh, at the State University of New York in New Paltz was probably, gosh, Margaret, it was probably like a 2.4 out of 4, so not good at all. My first degree, uh, my master's in healthcare administration was a 4.0 out of 4.0. So I had those two scores, right? And then I worked incredibly hard 
in my first few positions in healthcare and went from an internship to you know an entry-level position and then quickly within a year and a half two years became the director of compliance for the Haven health system so i had those two things my master of healthcare administration score and my professional success to say hey i can do this so when i had my when i submitted my application and i had conversations with the admissions people when I actually got, now I'm thinking about it, when I actually got the interview, I went into the interview with a score of 560. And I got the interview, and during the interview, I asked the interviewee, I said, is this, is this an okay score? Because I'm scheduled to take the test again next week, which is true, I absolutely was scheduled to take it again for the fifth time next week. And she said, you know, if you, if you can, you know, take it again. And if the score is, you know, higher, send it to me. And I had talked, a, a, a very good friend of mine that I was uh, in college with, and I knew through the town that we grew up, he and I were both taking, we were both going for the program together. And we both were sort of in that same position as far as not being good standardized test takers. And we just said, let's go for a 600. That is probably a good score, so let's go for it. So I already knew that the 560, I think that was the 560, was they wanted something a little bit higher. So when I set that mark at 600, that's what I was aiming for. So you didn't look at the average GMAT to the class before, I or at ranges? I looked at them, they were much higher than I knew I was going to get, to this be honest is, with you. This is encouraging for, for prospective business school students, because there's a lot of concern about having to get 700, 750 on the GMAT. And you absolutely, and I don't think that you absolutely should. Mm -hmm. You absolutely should shoot that high. Of course I was shooting for a 700. Mm -hmm. Of course I was. That would have been a slam dunk if I had. But I think for anyone who is looking to apply to schools and they're going through this process, I feel I can say this very confidently that they're not just looking, admissions people are not just looking at your GMAT score. It's not just about that. It is about the entire your entire story, everything that you have to offer. So when it comes to your entire application, it should include, you should look at each part as a piece of your story. What about funding the MBA, financing it? How, how did you finance it? And, and what advice do you have for people who might be struggling with financing it? It's the... I think one of the biggest challenges and the biggest hurdles that people have to get over when they're going through the process of the MBA. It's not cheap. No, it doesn't matter if it's you know an, an online institution, it doesn't matter if it's an Ivy League institution, they're not cheap. You know, in the, in the States, and, and, I'm, and I, forgive me, I'm not too familiar with other, you know, the sort of, um, any other programs outside of the states here in London or whether it's Hong Kong or anywhere else, you know, you have the option of student loans. That's always there for you. And I went all through student loans. That's how I went. When, when I was looking to uh, take this position, 
again, at that time I was working at, excuse me, when I was looking to go into uh, business school, at that time I was working at Yale in the Haven Health System. And the company had a tuition reimbursement program. I think it maxed out at maybe 50000 um, for the entire program, which is a great amount of money. Mm-hmm. And if any company is offering a tuition reimbursement program, you should, you should take it. You should absolutely take it and because anything helps. I just so happened to switch jobs right before the start of, uh, of my MBA program. So I was at Yale and then I switched to Deloitte. And Deloitte had, uh, excuse me, Deloitte has also a tuition reimbursement program. It's different depending on which part of Deloitte you're at because it's such a big firm. And Deloitte's reimbursement program was $25,000. Uh, but I had to complete one year working at Deloitte, and I had to commit two years afterwards. And I just kind of felt like that's you know too many sort of you know uh, requisites, and I didn't want to be tied down to anything. Biggest mistake I've made. I think that if there is a job that is offering you offering to pay. Even ten thousand, take it. Even if it's a year commitment, two year commitment, take it. Because the likelihood, and you know, I I I would have fulfilled my commitment to Deloitte in October had I taken it. The likelihood is that you are not necessarily going to immediately get a new job right out of business school. It's very likely that if you are working at the same time again, executive MBA experience, if you're working at the same time, or if you're a full-time student and your company is sponsoring you to go, take the money, fulfill your commitment, and then move on. The other alternative is that you can also look at it as maybe you're in the same position as I was and you don't want to maintain, you don't, you don't want to stay at the company two years afterwards. Well, you have to recognize that once you do have an MBA from any institution really, and especially the Ivy League ones, you're going to be a much more attractive candidate. So worry about the reimbursement process later. Take the money up front and worry about the other things later. Interesting. Uh, and so let's talk about your experience actually at Columbia Business School on the Executive MBA program. Um, if we can delve into some, if you just give me one or two things that really stood out. It, it's, it's very true. They are, Columbia Business School is at the very center of business. And when I spoke about the essay that I wrote and wanting that diversity, in the room and the diversity of my peers and my classmates, that was such a um, such a positive in all of this. You sat in a room, while it wasn't an even 50-50 gender split, it was more than what I was seeing, you know, when I did my background at the other schools as well. And the business school knows that it needs to get closer to that 50-50 gender split, but it was nice to be in a room full of men and women bringing in their thoughts. In addition, you know, while it doesn't have the best you know, uh, racial diversity, it had a good amount of racial diversity as well. So you have that, inf- you know, that diversity of thought coming into play also. 
And then you had just what was so surprising to me was how much people are doing. So people might have a career in healthcare, but they are also doing, you know, not-for-profits on the side. They might have a career in marketing, but at the same time, they are an artist, you know, and they're looking to start their own, you know, business where they can sell their art on the side. And that was so incredible to me to be surrounded by these people who have accomplished so much already, but are still so hungry to be doing more and can provide insight from a way that you just would never get in any other setting whatsoever. And I think that's unique to Columbia Business School because of the fact that it's in New York and it attracts all types of people to come there. In addition, the curriculum was, was excellent. Did you find it tough? Sometimes oh, I say it's a genius. No, I, it, it was not easy for me whatsoever. And you know, Marco, my first uh, my first two semesters, I was what I was doing at the time was I was working uh, on a project in Kansas City, Missouri. So I was flying from New York to Kansas City every single week. And what I would have to be so diligent about was printing out my reading on Saturday and Sunday. So when I was on the plane on Monday mornings and Thursday evenings, I was doing the readings that were necessary for class. Then I'd go to the client and I'd do the work that was at the client. But in the evenings, I would always sit in the hotel lobby really working on all the financial spreadsheets and learning accounting and learning economics and learning all these different things. And it was incredibly, incredibly tough. And a friend of mine, my friend Jackie, and I still talk about to this day, when we were studying for our corporate finance, I had zero finance background whatsoever. So this was all new lingo for me. Everything was new. And she and I had to sit in the library for two days, all day, going through problems backwards and forwards. And the lesson that I learned from my undergraduate degree where I wasn't doing really well, applied in the same situation because now all of a sudden I was doing the same thing. I was going through every single problem in the book. That was a sign. And I was looking at why does this thing happen? Why does that thing happen? And because of that, because of that hard work and really trying to understand it, was able to do very well in all of those courses um, that I took. So I think that that is, for anyone who is in a similar spot as me and is thinking about getting an MBA, but is concerned that, hey, I don't have an account, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a banker, I don't have any type of financial experience, don't let that scare you whatsoever at all. In fact, I would encourage you, because you don't have that experience, that's why you should go to get an MBA. Because those people who are in finance, who don't have, they may have really strong financial IQ, but you know, not so much on the human EQ side, right? You need that, you need that balance, you need that diversity in the room. And again, that's what I feel Columbia Business School did so well, to go back to your original question about the pros. I think from, a, from, a, uh, from the cons perspective, my initial hesitation about the business school was when I applied to Yale School of Management, they had tracks. You were in the healthcare track, you were in the sustainability track, you were in the banking track. 
and you would do your core classes, but you would stay in that track. So your electives would always be, you know, sort of supporting your development in that respective track. Columbia Business School is open. And that, at first, I thought that that was a con. Because, you know, well, now it's kind of allowing me to sort of just go off and do whatever. Well, in fact, that was probably the best thing that could have happened. Because what I realized is that while I love healthcare, I have all these other passions that I want to explore. And because you have this open sort of uh, curriculum where you can take whatever electives you want, it allowed me to explore that. So that, what I thought was a con, was actually a, 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 you know, turned out to be a pro. So we've spoken about your experience on the MBA, uh, the challenges in getting into the MBA itself. I just want to conclude by talking about the value of an MBA. You're still at Deloitte in a senior management role. How has the MBA delivered in terms of a return on investment, not just financially, but in terms of how you develop as a person? What's the value of an MBA? Was it worth it? 100% worth it. Value is that it is something that nobody can take away from you, ever. You will always have the degree. You will always have MBA after your name. You will always have those the skills that you develop. You will always have the education, and you will always have the people that you met. What's important to remember throughout is why did you do the MBA at the time? Because I think when it comes to a return on investment, we may look immediately. What happened immediately after I graduated? Did I get that director, managing director, vice president, president, CEO? Did I get that job immediately after? The likelihood that's probably not going to happen immediately after. But the MBA puts you on the right track to be able to get to that position so long as you keep doing the things that you need to be doing. So when it comes from a return on investment, it's very important that you're clear what, how do you define an ROI? How do you define it? And what's the terms that you're allowing yourself? Is it immediately after what do you want to have happen in your career and in your professional life? Five years down the road, what do you want this to have delivered 10 years, 15, 20? Where do you feel like you are in that, in that journey? Remember, Marco, when I went in, I wanted to become a CEO of a, of a healthcare system. I am not a CEO of a healthcare system right now. And frankly, I, I'm not sure if, you know, healthcare is, a, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay in healthcare because as you know, I started because of the school, the podcast, Call Me a BizCast. And since high school, I have always been flirting in this media space, hosting and doing different types of auditions for different types of hosting positions. And I love it. This is where my passion is. So when you ask me that question, where am I in the ROI perspective? Well, 
I'm in a completely different space than what I thought it was when I went in. And I love it. And I absolutely love it. So it's fulfilled, um, you know, what I wanted, you know, within the next, within the first three years that it's given me the opportunity to, because I sort of redefined what my return on investment is, it has, you know, fulfilled in the last year and a half, two years, well, two years, let me say, uh, what I wanted to get out of it because it has given me the opportunity and this business school, and I thank them for this, have given me the opportunity to pursue this career that I'm very passionate about in the media and the hosting space. And in addition, you know, it has given me the network and the people and the skills to be able to go and to actually do what I'm doing in the Columbia BizCast space at the same time, giving me the business skills that I need to continue to be uh, you know, fulfilling my duties and obligations at that point. But I think the most important thing is you know, really clearly defining what, what does ROI mean to you and set those limits after one year, after three years, after five years, so on and so forth. But always, your North Star always has to be, why did you choose to get it? And you can't forget that. Let's conclude uh, by talking a little bit about the Columbia BizCast. Yeah. So you set this up to give prospective students an idea of how to get into Columbia, alumni experiences from Columbia. You tell me a little bit about what, what it consists of. Yeah, Columbia BizCast came about because we wanted to tell the stories of the current students, of the alumni, of the faculty that are at the school. The goal is in every episode for you to hear something that's going to encourage thought and spark action by listening to the stories of your peers, by listening to the stories of the faculty, that you get some type of an idea that's going to move you towards going, you know, and pursuing that passion, that dream job that you have, or making you better at the current job that you have. We started it back in 2017. We started with five episodes and really we were sort of experimenting with what we were going to be doing and we started under the brand name of uh, a title of YCBS, so that was Y Columbia Business School. But and we went to the spring semester, excuse me, the spring semester of fall 2018 and we did 10 more episodes and then we took a step back because we were we were starting to see that we were doing well and we wanted to make sure that we gave it every opportunity to succeed as best as possible. So I asked my two classmates, Daphne Johnson and Melanie Samper, who are excellent marketers, who are excellent advertisers and work in the media space to say, can you help me with this project? Again, tapping into that network that you are building in business school. And what we realized is that we need to go ahead and give this show an ability to grow and the ability for people to know what this is immediately, which is why we rebranded the show for our third season to be Columbia BizCast. And we're incredibly happy and we're incredibly proud of the work that we've done to rebrand the entire show. And, you know, we continue to develop a great amount of uh, notoriety and reputation. And our stories are continuing to give at least one piece of information for a person 
to be able to listen and see the types of people who are going to Columbia Business School, the types of work that they are doing, whether that's in finance, the research, or the social enterprise spaces, and really give people a good picture of what it means to be a Columbia Business School student and, and really what it means to be human. That's the most important thing is that we are always trying to tell the human story of the person uh, behind you know, the success that they're having. Hi listeners, a quick note about future episodes of the Business School Question podcast. We've started off this podcast by tackling some of the biggest questions business school applicants face. From now on, we'll continue to do that, and we're also going to start highlighting some of the best interviews from our website, businessbecause.com, on the pod as well. So stay tuned for more podcast episodes over the coming months, and remember, whether you're considering an MBA, EMBA, or Business Master's program, You can read more business school news and get practical resources to help your business school application on businessbecause.com.